This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Well, go, go, what was, I need to know this. So I need, I need so, information. Ghostbusters well, I, what, 2. Oh. Victor. Yeah, Victor from the painting. Yep. Spot Jeez, on in it. you're so right. Spot on in so it. So I've just, I've just Googled him to look it up. And literally, it, as, if, if Highland had just put that ponytail down. Yep. Um, it's his child. That's that, why we, you know, he's not yeah. human. You can't play against him. He's, he's a painting off a wall. He's not human. That explains so much. Um, you know what? Because obviously I remember his dad playing well. You know, so it's not one of those things where you're like mm-hmm. weirded out that he looks unfamiliar. Let's say that he looks familiar because obviously he looks a little bit like Alfinger Harland, right? And I remember mm-hmm. him vividly. But until you said that moment, I had absolutely no concept whatsoever that he is he is him. It's just he is exactly. more he is more Vigo. Uh, sorry, Victor. Vigo. Oh, no, it's Vigo. It's, Vigo. It's Vigo, isn't it? It's Vigo. Vigo. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. And if uh, any of the any of the kids listening along haven't uh, haven't seen Ghostbusters two, it's a it's a real classic, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So before we start, I, I think the size just got to tell you about the sheep as well. Yeah, they killed the police on some sheep. What? Yeah, mate. Um, come on. There's listen. Okay, you've got a story, I'm sure, but calling police on animals is just. You know, I mean, I've got you know. There's nuisance neighbours around here. You know, what I mean, there's some people around the road. Down the road, have basically built a, a bar in their house, but not like a you know, like a little tiki bar where they have a couple of mates around. Nice. It's basically a full-on pub. You know, they've got sort of like um, it basically they've done it up like it's an old railway station kind of thing at one nice. on one side of their garden. Something nice. It's annoying. Right? It's not nice. You've not been invited over. <laughs> no, exactly. It's arrogant and uh, and annoying, and they're young and loud. And I want to go to bed early, and I and I can't when they're shouting and singing and having fun, and I'm not involved. Oh. So why should I like that? Is legitimately calling police. And if sheep did that around my way, I'd be right on board. But come on, what did the sheep do? So so it was. I was running along, uh, minding my own business, and mm. a senior citizen. I won't say old lady. I've said it now, but she called oh, yeah. me over from the other side of the road to ask if I had a phone. And my instinct, I mean, I've been out of Croydon now for the best part of 10 years, but I'm still got that instinct where my natural response is if someone asks you if you've got a phone, you either say no and run faster 
or you just say no and and pretend you haven't got one but i said i've got one and she said can you call the police and i thought oh no what's going on what's happened here mm. and she there was sheep everywhere now i thought maybe she was a bit unwell because i couldn't see any sheep and then i turned around to the sort of side road and there was about 20 30 sheep making their way up and down the street just consuming all gardens they could they could find but then what what was made me just like laugh into hysterics a little bit was shit oh no it's really really bad they're sheep from the next village so that kind of small minded but <laughs> what was worse was they were sheep from the next village that's that is just done oh. you need to call that they are the next village's sheep seriously yeah you know, yeah yeah. Serious. yeah i called them up and i was held for 10 minutes and i thought well you know this is 999 i'm calling i could have been being attacked by these sheep. Oh, so, so, so you didn't even you didn't even ring like the non oh, no. the long urgent one. No. You went straight with nine nine straight straight in there. So, have you, oh god, carry on. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, have you ever tried to ring the non emergency police number? I once, and it took me about forty five minutes to get. It through. is a yeah. waste of everybody's time. Mm. Um, mm. And they direct you to a website like so. Like for example, if you're filling a noise complaint about neighbours who don't invite you to their parties, yeah. they will uh, they will direct you to the council for a noise mm. complaint. And then the council mm. will direct you to a form, and you fill in a form, and then they will direct you to uh, a diary that you have to complete. And you're like, mm. but if I go over there and throw a brick through their window, you'll be yeah. around straight away. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But the good bit all day was. Was they, they they ended up leaving about five hours later, but everyone's ring doorbell cams has just got them all for about five hours going up <laughs> yeah. and down the street eating people's gardens and just seem to be having a really good time. So I love it. Yeah. Well, oh, hot fuzz two sounds shit. I might yeah. I won't lie to you, so I'm not... <laughs> mate, check it out. I'll, I'll release it and I'll let you know when it's out. So <laughs> um, we talk about Palace though? No, because uh, the actor who played Vigo. Um, <laughs> The Carpathian was actually called Wilhelm von Homburg or Wilhelm von Homburg, Wilhelm which von is a Homburg. good name. Um, but he was, of course, better known outside Germany by his name, Wilhelm. Oh, uh, sorry, he was better known outside Germany as Wilhelm von Homburg, but his real name was Norbert Group. <laughs> Norbert Group, Nor Gruppe, maybe. Um, but he was uh, he was henchman James in Die Hard uh, nice. or the Hard in German. Um, that's a good joke. He was. I maintain it. He was. That is a good joke. But profe- former professional boxer. He was a light heavyweight. Well, that explains the nose. Yeah. 47 yeah. fights, 30 wins, 24 by knockout, 11 losses, 6 draws. Some record. Um, yeah. And uh, that was his biggest role at the age of 50 in Ghostbusters. And um, But, you know, the, the, tr- the, the tragedy is really that he spent the last years of his life effectively homeless, alternating between sleeping at the YMCA the homes of friends or in his van and uh, unfortunately died of uh, a prostate cancer at the age of just 63. Alexa, play Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest, CPFC podcast from Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest. It's the Match Report. I'm Chris Hambling and today I'm joined by Cy and Mike. Hello, gentlemen. I'm going to start with you, Cy, because you've you've not been on for a while. What have you been up to? What's going on? Um, good to see you both. Uh, what have I been up to? So managing my daughter's football team. So that's one of those situations where they were like, would you mind doing it for one week? And then that turned into a permanent uh, fixture. And I can't believe, Chris, I can't tell you, managing a kid's football team under 10s this year it's a full-time job mm. i need a pa i need staff it literally is 
uh, unbelievably busy, but she loves it, which is good. And it's girls playing football, which is really important. Which but is the PA? How, what does the PA position pay? So. Uh, yeah, I, know, I, should, I should put I should put a JD together. Uh, I don't know what, what do you reckon. Um, I reckon probably good. Uh, good these days, probably a good twenty five thirty k. I think. I reckon it's got to got to be um, meeting the no also living no. <laughs> Yeah, but no, yeah, can't, be, can't do it. Okay, carry on. Yeah, been doing that, which is good. Running as usual, and really excited about Palace this year. So, yeah. uh, and actually, you know what? Pat, excited about both the men's and the women's team this year. So excited to be on the show a few more times. I reckon. Wonderful. Well, yeah, good to have you back on, mate. Mike, you've um, you and I have basically been avoiding each other for quite some time, and and somehow we've neither of us spotted that the other one was on this week. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I have, however, <laughs> been on the two games that we've lost. Um, yeah. So, mm. sure, that's been noted by people. Should be, and if it hasn't, uh, certainly has now, and we'll be keeping an eye on that through the course of this season. And if it's time to wave goodbye, Mike, then it will be for the better of the team and uh, and everybody else involved. Uh, yeah, well, m- more than that. So, I actually, straight after the Liverpool game, um, I ended up banging my head very hard and I had concussion for quite a while. I couldn't go to the Villa game, so um, the plot yeah. thickens, I think. Indeed, indeed, as does the uh, sort of membrane in your, your skull uh, protecting the the brain there, probably probably changed in... Yeah, I got talked through that by uh, by the doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes. Good stuff. All right. Well, you know, I'm sure you're all waiting for the cat update. Um, so sure. uh, I'll keep it short this week. There was uh, one particularly long email which um, pointed out last week that we probably spent a little bit too long talking about cats and, and things that weren't relating to football, which, you know, I tend to agree. Uh, but fine. Quick cat update. Cat and, and, and existing cat are friends. Um, and And it's gone from, you know, cat hating us to to being a, a, a you know part of the family and um it's really sweet it's really nice but just starting to starting to get the little tinge of regret as he continually wanders around the house breaking things that's that's all that's happening there but it was good you know it was good to you know rescue another another animal that needed help from uh, this one was from the rspca so really happy to do that and um yeah i think that is it for me on pets i think a, a dog and two cats is uh, is more than enough um, for the time being, but very very much enriched my life. Um, so, so yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. I appreciate those people who got in touch with some advice because it worked. Uh, it was mainly producer Sam, to be clear, who gave me advice on on the cats. Um, but there you go. So, a um, couple of bits of news for us before we talk into the news for Palace. Um, so the first is, is really a little bit of a teaser and I can't, I, don't, I won't say too much on it. Um, it's hopefully something we can announce in full next week on the match report. Um, so, uh, but some really exciting news coming up for us and, um, and what we're going to do and, and, and treat you to through the course of the season. Um, but um, also we've, we've revamped our website um, basically the, the previous one, suffered from a little bit of a lack of attention from us in all fairness so we've kind of simplified and hopefully got a place where people can um you know just interact with that a little bit easier with us so if you go to back you'll find uh, a way to leave us a voice message um so you can send those in for next week you can do that off of a phone or a tablet and on your, your desktop or laptop pretty easy thing to do uh you can also 
contact us directly by email through a, through a link on the website as well. So head to backofthenest.com, links to the podcasts and various other things on there. Nice and simple um, and, and exactly what you need to, to find all our content and get in touch with us. So um, moving swiftly on to Palace news this week. The Palace, the Palace women's team played Coventry United and they beat them for 3-0 to make it two wins out of two um, in the start of the season. So fantastic start to the campaign by the Palace women's team, getting a lot of support and rightly so. Uh, really dominant in that one. And um, the first goal was from Molly Sharp, who I'm sure you've heard on our show, um, that wonderful interview that was done by uh, Cara and Co. And then obviously, if you haven't, I think, you know, was it two episodes back, I think, uh, end of the Liverpool episode? Uh, you can find it on there. Um, other goals were by Annabelle Blanchard and Elise Hughes uh, with a very, very late strike that um, that gave it the the kind of sheen that it deserved. Uh, not something I saw myself. don't know if either of you two caught any of that game, uh, if it was if you were possible. Seen some of the uh, seen some of the highlights. As far as I knew, we we couldn't watch it all uh, online. Um, but I did see the Molly Sharp goal, amongst other things. Uh, really nice yeah. setup, and she put it away, and then uh, got substituted pretty much immediately afterwards. So um, I want to ask her about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the the next. Uh, so on the 18th, so the day after uh, Brighton away, which I believe sold out now. If you haven't got your tickets. Um, they are playing at Celeste. Tickets are five quid for uh, season ticket holders and I think 10 quid for everyone else, adults. So um, a fair amount of us will be there. So that'll be good. And hopefully there'll be plenty of people that turn up for that. It's a, it's a really competitive league down there in, 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 the, in the first division, but they've got a really good chance of getting to the WSL. And it's amazing because hearing the girls that play with us and we've got, I think we've got like 10 or 11 girls teams now in this in our local village team. It's really growing. They all want to be in the WSL and they want to be like WSL players. And just hearing them talk, it's, it's fantastic to hear that. And, and big shout out to the Palace ladies because they've agreed to let us come and bring my team down to see them at the Sheffield United away, which is near us. So I thought it'd be good for Francesca and the rest of their team to meet up with the, some senior players and get to talk to them. So thanks for the club for, for agreeing to do that for us. You don't need a PA. You're doing it all yourself. It's hard work, though. It's hard work. Tell you what, Si, what about results? Are you getting results or is your position under threat? Well, that's a really good... Well, now, listen, I I wasn't going to brag about that, but now you've mentioned it. Um, So we were invincible last season, didn't lose a game in our league, and Mm -hmm. um, we only lost in the League Cup final on penalties. Uh, And as you can imagine, the the heartbreak of that penalty Mm. shootout was a tough one to take. But in, in all seriousness, though, we could do with losing a few because I think uh, winning every week is not, not, not a good thing. But we played the Leicester City Academy yeah. in a friendly um, and we lost 8-2. And it was a really good experience to actually get that, that, that loss and to experience it. But uh, no, they're doing really, really well. They're a very special group of girls, I think. So fingers crossed for another good season. Did, uh, did any... As are Palace women, by the way. Exactly. Top the As, right exactly. Now, so. Top of the league. And Two. they're exciting. When you lost um, eight two, did anyone say I'd hate to be them right now? Or eight two, anything like any of, any of that happening? No, but there was a lot of questioning of my uh, defensive setup tactics. So you can see when when the going gets tough, I'm, the job will be at line for sure. It'll be on the, on on the line if the results start to go the other way. It's a it's a, yeah. it's a brutal world. 
Well, that's it. That's it. You're only as good as your last performance, Sai, as we, as we all it. know. That's it. Okay, so um, a, a team that was was very, very good in the last performance was the Palace under-18s, uh, beating West Brom 3-0. Goals from Adler Nascimento, Joe Gibbard and Junior Dixon um, and the Palace boys went home with the points and they're continuing to impress at that level and talked about it um, you know, a couple of times over the last couple of weeks and just saying the same thing, really, that you know, every time we get that new age group, it's um, it's it's looking almost better and better. Um, you know, the guys that kind of move on to the twenty third, um, those that come in and replace them, just the, the talent is is pretty incredible. And you know, that's um, you know, it's it's, it's just an impressive result and, uh, and and something that you know, it's it's a lot of promise for the for the future. And obviously, I don't know if people remember Nash Mento came from. Um, from Peterborough United last year, uh, I think he'd sort of featured in and around their first team at, at 16 years old. Um, so maybe you know he's you know he'd expect him to be one that should be kind of dominating at that level uh, and pushing on to the 23s as soon as possible. Really, if he's going to fulfil the kind of promise he joined with, um, they were very sad to lose him. We were very happy to get him. So um, yeah, but starting to to score on a very regular basis now. Uh, and Junior Dixon, one who's getting a lot of goals at that level as well. So, good to see. <clears throat> uh, and also worth mentioning... Are we, we going to... I was going to say, we're going to mention Raksaki or just, just uh, not not. not I think we that. need to we need to just say that he's performing very well out on loan at League One level um, and looking like he's well above that standard. And that's great to hear. And we'll just ignore what team it's for. Um, and, you know and the kind of validation of their existence that gives them. I suppose there's a bit of joy in being, you know, of, of using a, a, a sort of Kent-based club as our um, feeder team, maybe. I don't know. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, that, that Charlton troll that like spends his entire existence just trolling Palace fans on Twitter has been very, very quiet. So Yeah, weird that. Weird. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but we will mention that uh, Luke Plange and Jake O'Brien have, uh, have joined um, Molenbeek in, in Belgium on loan for the for the rest of the season. They're a second-tier team over there. Um, I think they're, they're either owned or co-owned or, or, or whatever by John Texter. Obviously, who's a co-owner? Uh, sorry, an investor for us. Um, you know, one of the one of the big investors in Palace, as many people know, I'm sure. So, obviously, that link has been fairly important in those two players going going out there. O'Brien was on loan at Swindon last year, did very very well for them. Sort of trailed off at the end of the season, um, but but was really really strong for them. I know a couple of Swindon fans who thought very highly of him. Uh, I think he's 21 now, Ireland under 21 international. Um, really important that he plays a, a full season, uh, you know, of, of competitive football. 
um and and in another country as well is um it's always a good thing to to bring people's talent on and it's quite a common thing that people do a little bit more surprised by by luke plans doing it he's obviously only 19 but already played regularly at the championship level so you know arguably the the lack of professional teams in belgium it's obviously they produce tremendous footballers in belgium but you know it's actually a very small professional league so when you start getting into that second division it's um you know it's a real mixture of 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 sort of uh you know talent shall we say so you know one, one i'm quite surprised about but and a lot of people were fairly um well there were some quite harsh comments shall we say around the message boards and twitter but what do you think uh, i'll start I'll start with you mike what do you think about um those two going on loan to a to that second division in belgium is there any po- negatives that you can think is it all positives I'm a little bit surprised by plans as well. I, I, I sort of thought that, you know, he might be featuring in the, in the League Cup, but um, it's also pretty nice with the with the texter link, isn't it? So, um, you know, if, if it's a, a little thank you and it's helping out a club over there and they get some game time, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I'd rather see them there than at Charlton. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think, Sai, playing under 23 football for both of those it's going to it's obviously far far better that they're out playing competitive football um you know in a team that that are talking about pushing for promotion to the top division anyway so they've got to establish themselves in that side for sure um but it's got to be better than playing effectively non-competitive football absolutely can't can't disagree with that and also there's something about getting them out to another country for that experience for them as individuals and and then just just to add to that, there's been a. I mean, obviously, it's no Dortmund, is it? But there is a track record of players from the UK going over to Europe at the minute and growing and becoming a lot better players and returning for big fees. So, if they can go over there and get some experience and come back ready to push for a a, a place in the squad, then I think that's no harm done at all. So, yeah, definitely agree. Better than playing twenty threes. Indeed. So we'll keep track of those and obviously all the other Palace loanees throughout the course of, of the year. I'm sure we'll, we'll mention them as much as is relevant. Um, so you're trying to find the right words for trying to not say Charlton, but Mike's already said Charlton. So I guess we have to accept that um, they might have a decent season with, with Raksaki doing what he's doing, looking absolutely superb for them. But anyway, we'll keep track of those. Uh, but now I think it's time for us to talk about the Man City game. So... I mean, what to say? There's the the cliche of a game of two halves, and and I suppose in some senses that's very relevant. But you know, we played really, really well in in the first half. You know, when I when I start thinking about the game, it was really hard to take on the day. I have to say, like, even if you ref, you know if you reflect on it now, reflecting on it with a period of time past, I I can say that obviously, even though we went in two nil up. You know, on the balance of play of the first half, it was just an example of us defending extremely well and taking our chances. It wasn't like we we went toe to toe with Man City and out footballed them or anything like that. We we tactically got it right. All the players did exactly the right things, um, and, and we had a touch of fortune at times. And you know, that's kind of what you need. But to do that for ninety minutes against a team with that level of resource, with that level of talent, and and you know, there's a reason they're champions of, of, of the division. So it's, it's you know, it's really, really hard to take when you're, you know, especially as we've done it before, where you just, you know, it's a, it's a lot of what ifs. But I, I thought, you know, again, I'm, I'm just sort of summarising a little bit, but I would say I, I feel still now, feel in reflection, disappointed with 
with what happened in the second half because I think we made it a little too easy for them to get back into the game. Um, you know, watching the highlights doesn't always help as well. Doesn't give you that full appreciation. Obviously, I saw the full game, but I'm you know watching the highlights back just kind of unfortunately in the second half highlights the the worst things that we did. Uh, and you see, you know, the the way we defended in the the first goal, Man City scored, let them back in, um, in, in, and it just allowed us to build that pressure. And as we'll talk about, I felt that there were certainly a couple of mistakes that we made. Um, which were, which were pretty significant. But, you know, summarising the game like that, losing 4-2 despite being 2-0 up at half-time, uh, we won't be the only team that, that throws away a lead against Man City. I think they've already done that. You know, come back from two goals down twice this season, haven't they? If I'm, I think I'm right in saying. But anyway, they are, you know, they are specialists in, in turning games around and we just have to accept that. But we started the game... With a with a different lineup side, we started the game with no Wilfred Zaha. Mm. Um, so look, I don't think any surprise that we went to the back five. We played the system we played against Liverpool, but that switch where Edward comes in at fairly short notice because Wilf, according to Vieira, um, rather than the conspiracy theorists, uh, has a knee injury uh, and wasn't quite fit enough to start the game um, or, or even feature on the bench. Um, do you feel like that's probably one of the key things on reflection that the lineup was understandable, the system was understandable, but without Wilf and trying to lead the line with with Edward uh, was always going to be tricky. Absolutely. So I think the system itself was effective in the first half, and if you look at how we played against Liverpool, we weren't. Yes, of course they were camped in our half for the majority of it, but 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 we weren't looking horrendously pressured at any point, and actually. The difference between previous seasons and previous managers when we tried to do that, we had some real quality set ball um, deliveries from Eze and some, we were taking taking our chances in, in when we had them, which was what you have to do at places like that. I think you're absolutely right. So I think that was a game changer having Edouard, who, who I really rate, but he isn't that sort of player. If anyone actually would have been able to do better at holding the ball up and actually giving us some respite, Benteke, who obviously left, would have been better, I think, than Edouard in, in, in the system we played without without Wilf, but it just shows you what a, what a game-changer Wilf is when he's available for us because I think, argue, I, I'll go as far as to say we probably don't lose that game with Wilf up top, and that's a big statement, but I don't think we do if he was fit and, and playing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it might have given us a little bit of, um, you know, given them a bit of the unknown in terms of how they were, they were approaching the game because they probably would have been expecting Wilf to start until quite late on. So maybe it impacted their game plan and that potentially in the first half got us some opportunities. But generally speaking, I, I completely agree with you. We got a better chance of holding on, you know, carrying that ball forward. And again, we will talk about in particular one change that we made where I think Vieira was trying to recapture what we would have with Wilf leading the line, uh, which I thought was a, was a fairly colossal mistake. But uh, go on, Mike, I'll let you, let you jump in. Yeah, I mean, on the Benteke thing, there's been situations where we had him as that lone striker and it he didn't it, there was always this enormous gap between him and everyone else so I, I don't know if he'd have made that much difference but listening to the interestingly there wasn't that many post match interviews put on Palace TV it's, uh, I think it was only Vieira and Eze Ez, sorry Eze Eze um and Eze was really really annoyed um he said that they they got way too deep. They hadn't 
kept that sort of nice distance between the Palace goal and and the back five that they had in the first half. And and he seemed really dejected on that, which was, you know, it was evident. But um, the ever referred to it as concentration. He kept saying concentration. And um, he kind of alluded to the fact that they chased shadows in the first half and then we went 2-0 up and everyone froze and were petrified. And then it just became attack against defence. So I'm not sure it was to do with the personnel. Obviously, we saw against Liverpool what Zaha can do on his own. Um, but Eze was doing that pretty well. It was the fact that we were five yards further back than another five yards. And it, it really got to the point where once the first one went in, you knew we were going to lose um, because it was literally like a training ground exercise. And that is the sort of lack of self-belief that you're going to have against the team that good when, you, when you're missing your flagship player. There's, a, there's a, some really good points in there. And, and I, I sort of want to explore that more um, in, in a moment when... Um, but but I just want to break away because it's a good point to talk about it and um and I, so I'm, I'm certainly not doing you a disservice there, Mike, because I think everything that you said is is worthy of a a discussion in itself about why we dropped deep and the mentality thing around that because because it's undeniable that the second half was unrecognisable, especially in the line that we held. So I'll come back to it, but you know if I, if I can get your comments given, you know. So I started talking about Wilf quite rightly um, from from my prompt. We had a message in from from regular contributor Jerry, um, who said, "You know, the 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 rumours are increasing around Wilf leaving the club." Um, in fact, I've seen two very strongly con- contrasting rumours today. One is obviously Wilf to Chelsea, um, and the other is Wilf to sign new contract and. Um, but I just think these are things that um, at this moment in time are just floating around. But a, a couple of things, Mike. Is, uh, first is, you know, from your perspective, how likely is it, do you think, you know, Wilf, Wilf to, to leave, really? You know, given the late stage of the window, it would surely have to be something that we knew was coming and we had a contingency around. Because um, otherwise it just makes zero sense, doesn't it? We'd have to just reject any bid and just say, fine, you can have him for free at the end of the year. But... You know we haven't we can't do anything in this window at this late stage, so it's so it's ridiculous. Um, or do you suspect maybe that you know these talks of things like SAR and the fact that we you look at the you know we talk about Benteke now who, who went and you just think off the bench we had Mateta and then you start looking around that whole bench for another forward, especially when you're looking at the bench that Man City throw out and we actually haven't got one. You know everybody who can kind of play up top was either on the pitch or. Or you know Wilf, um, who wasn't available. So does it make any kind of sense for Wilf to leave the football club now? I was worried about the the Arsenal rumours because he he loves Arsenal uh, and there's there's no question of that. And he wanted to go. And when they made the ridiculous decision to sign that guy that they're now trying to offload that cost them seventy two million, well they could have got Zaha, um, but. I'm not worried now. I, I think it's too close to the end of the window. Um, I'm going to be very worried if, if he doesn't sign another contract. But, um, you know, the, people have already alluded to how how up for it he seems, um, how his mentality seems to have had this sort of reinvigoration. And, yeah, I, I, I really think that 
he's going to have a better season with Palace than at Chelsea. And and this isn't me talking as a Palace fan. Um, you know, it would have been done a while ago. They, they, they know about his contract. It would have happened already. I just can't see him going. Um, obviously, the rumours come from the fact he's had a minor injury and that Vieira didn't really want to talk about it. Um, and then he's come on um, Twitter and said, you know, things have worked out and that could mean anything. Um, but yeah, the the, the, the rumour mill is going to carry on right until the last day. I just I don't see him leaving. I'm I'm not that worried. Um, I'd be obviously if he goes, I'd be very worried for games like that because I don't think that there's another player we either have nor we could buy that would be a one person outlet for those kind of games. But you know, he's a, he's a once in a generation, and, and he shows that again and again. That was the first. I agree. That was Green Moonlight. That was the first time on Saturday at the time of recording uh, when we paid Man City that I felt we were short. So when you looked at that bench and the options we had to, to, to bring on, obviously had Elise, which was which you know made a difference in the tie last season and season and at home. But but I, there was we, we were short of a striker, I think, uh, and a forward option. So if if anything's going to happen in the transfer market, I think we need to be looking to bring one in. Let alone obviously keeping Wilf as well. But we definitely need to be trying to get someone in if we can in the next. Yeah few days yeah absolutely right you're, you're bang on it's kind of what i was trying to drive at it's obviously two different angles there's the contract situation and, and how strong the rumors are but you're quite right the reason it makes so little sense is because we're already short of forward e, you know anyone can see that when you're naming two keepers on the bench um you know for two consecutive weeks you're short of forward um and you know we, we, we're also short a left-back now, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, we've got people who can play there. But we're in this position now where you, if we don't make any other signings, and we'll talk about it later on, if we don't make any other signings, we we really do have people in, in several positions, in my view, playing out of position. You know, when we play a back three and Ward plays as a centre-back, he's still out of position to me. Um, and I expect Richards to to eventually come in there, but we chucked Richards on a, a le- as a left back the other day, and and you know that didn't really didn't really work for him against Man City either. Um, you know, so he doesn't really feel like a, a genuine option. We'd end up having to play Klein or Ward there again, not their their, their genuine position. Uh, you always have the argument with me about whether Schlupp is a genuine central midfielder. Been been doing the job, been doing the job, you know, reasonably well. And but but for me, we're still playing somebody who. You know who whose main position isn't there. He's a very versatile player, but you know the more you play players out of position, just because they can do a job there, the more you get exposed when you play a team like Man City that can afford specialists in every position. Um, and I felt that 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 was pretty much exposed this week as well, which was a shame because we've made massive strides and we're a very very good team, but we still we cannot stand still. Uh, and looking at how things are going transfer rumour-wise, and we'll try and touch on it before the end of the show, you know, it doesn't look great unless Chelsea make a couple of moves and decide to, to ship Gallagher back out on loan and we manage to keep manage to get him in. You know, I'm, I'm struggling to see anything else that's realistically going to happen. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about the game, shall we? You know, there's not too much more to talk about in terms of the lineup. It was as expected. Um, and, you know... Um, Edward leaving leading the line was a, was the late change uh, because of Will's unavailability, um, but we started really well. And, and as was kind of talked about earlier, when Mike was saying what went wrong uh, in the game, what went right in the first half was just the the shape that we had was excellent. 
Um, you know, both sides of the, of the flanks were, were well protected and we let them have it in wide areas because we were playing a sensible high line. We squeezed the space, all those little pockets that, that Man City liked to operate in just not weren't really there. Um, that final ball was very difficult for them and they every time they used like individual brilliance or some quick passing to kind of break through the line, the ball in just would have to have been absolutely 100% perfect for, for us to be under any real threat. Um, and we frustrated the hell out of them. And not only that, the distances were fantastic because we were able to break. We were able to carry the ball. Edward, you know, say what you want about him, but actually did a tremendous job for for a large proportion of the game before he got isolated and tired in that second half. The first half, he was really good. Uh, same for Jordan Ayew, who was absolutely tireless and really just, just gave Man City a hell of a lot to think about. That's where he's strong, you know. At least say the better player by far in my view, but but he doesn't give you that when when you need it. When you need industry for 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 ninety five plus minutes, Jordan Ayew is always going to get the nod there because you know he's a he's a he wins fouls, he chases back, he doesn't give anyone a, a moment's peace. So first half was excellent and gave us that opportunity, that opening goal, a little foul on on Ayew down in the corner there, and um, and Sai Eze on set pieces this one was a free kick obviously an own goal and we can all laugh about the, the little deflections there but the delivery was absolutely top class right oh absolutely i mean obviously there was people questioning whether or not he he'd finished after his, his injury which has finished other people off but he was quality i think all game and i know people talk about this before i know eskif talks about it as well but he just guides glides past people it's almost like he's not even moving very quickly at all when he when he gets it past players, but his set piece delivery was was superb. And actually, for the first time in a long time, I thought like we're actually going to potentially grab some goals from set pieces. I think we were the lowest scorers from corners. I think in the last few years in the Premier League, but actually, I think genuinely we might actually start to get some goals from set pieces with Eze on them. I mean, we did. We got two, didn't we? <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, in this in this game, which was which was very refreshing to see. Um, Similar, basically a similar plan, wasn't it, Mike, for the second goal? But um, I'll let you wax lyrical about the 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 Adonis that is Joachim Anderson. What a what a man, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got such a large fan base that I, I feel like I don't need to add a lot. Like Ter- Terence alone, um, I think he pretty much divorced his wife. Um, and go straight in there, especially those photos the other day that he posted in that restaurant or wherever he was sitting, you know, properly suited and booted. Um, no, it, it was a great header, but I also think that um, Eze just deserves immense credit because we've suffered from this for so long. Um, you know, Luca flattered to deceive after we signed him and thought, you know, here's the answer to our set pieces. Um if Anderson gets that kind of service, he's going to score like that all, all season long. Um, you know, he's the Scandinavian Scott Dan in that respect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> great, great, great goal. Um, but I, I, I just think that the credit needs to go to the fact that we finally have a dead ball specialist and um, it's it, he should be taking everything, absolutely everything. Um, I, I don't know enough about 
the mechanics of set piece taking for for all the movement from the players, but the balls seemed to just be absolutely perfect. And the main issue between the first and second half was we really didn't have the ball far enough the, up the pitch to to do that again because. Uh, you know, Man City look like if they've got a weakness, it's set pieces and a few more of those. You could see a team scoring four or five against them. I know I might sort of offend most of the back of the nest listeners with this statement, but we don't, obviously, Jordan Ayew, I think it was Jordan Ayew, looking back at it, who won the free kick for the first goal, but I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure it was Jordan. He he was quality all game. And I know you mentioned it, Chris, and I know him and Schlupp divide opinion, but for me, both of them are really important players for us in terms of that industry. I was at Oxford away and, you know, Schlupp changed the game when he came on and Jordan won the penalty. Just from their physicality and that industry makes them go-to players for Patrick Vieira and I can see why because they definitely give us that combative nature in the midfield which not all, all our players do give us. Listen, it's, it's a it's a well... It's it's a value valuable point to say that, right? It's really... You know, it, I, I get torn with it because, you know, as I said earlier, I, I was incredibly impressed with IU um, during the course of the game. And, and you're quite right in everything that you say about him and Schlupp and what they bring. Um, you know, the part of, there's just the part of me that wrestles with the fact that, you know, it's it just feels like if we're to push on as a club, it's those types of players that, we need to find the players that give you that same level, but just but just it's their position and it's their you know and they're consistent and and you know they have that extra element um, to to kind of to to push you beyond the level that we're currently at and it, it's almost unquantifiable the difference but you know you just have to look at the the players on the pitch. Um, in, in this particular game because you can see what it takes why these players cost the money they cost why they paid the money that they're paid the very very top level players and that's how you build, how you progress and how you build a team and how you build a squad is you it, it's it's ruthless because you look at somebody who's given you you know for, you know let's take a, a, a player that uh, was mentioned there by Mike Scott Dan right it's it's obviously been a, a couple of years since he's left us but there was a period of time where Scott Dan was our best centre back a huge threat at set pieces a, a leader of the team and the first name on the team sheet but by the time you know with the progression that we've had by the time you come sort of come around to him leaving you know it, be, it became really clear that he was he was the you know a player we needed to replace and, and that's how I feel with with some of these guys that have given us incredible service throughout the course of their careers and they're wonderful players but you just have to be brutal if you want to progress and that's where I am but in a game like this I, you're, you're spot on you know the, the energy and the effort and, and the ability as well not down down doing down on their ability their ability as well was really really important but it just wasn't enough to sustain it and I'd like to to sort of take us to one of the most there's two really pivotal pivotal points in this game um, both of which were highlighted by our chairman on Twitter as well, by the way. Uh, the first of those was what we'll call a disallowed goal. The whistle had gone before the ball had even gone in the back of the net, so arguably it was just it was a foul. And it it almost passed me by. It really did because it it felt I felt like looking looking back at it, 
we should have been screaming about this one. We absolutely have to scream about this. So the sequence was, it was actually a pretty decent move by Palace. Eze doing a lot of the running again. Eze doing a lot of the running again. Um, and the left-hand side, mainly. Um, some really good interplay. And, and the ball eventually ends up at the feet of Decore, who was fantastic once more. Um, and he took a, a really good long-range shot, but a good positioning from Edison meant he you know, caught it in his midriff. Um, and he tried to move the game on really quickly. But he sort of ran, ran forward. Edward, quite understandably as a forward, just follows his run. He rolls it out, releases the ball in the direction he wants to release the ball. Edward, sticking out a foot as he does it, diverts the ball to Ayu. Ayu puts the ball in the net. Whistle was already gone before Ayu puts the ball in the net, but... You know, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at it. I watched the match of the day comments. And I've, I've read various different views on it. Um, and I'm really interested in get, getting views from you, Mike, and, and yourself, Si, because I can't... I'm trying to think what the infringement is. I know what the infringement's supposed to be in that circumstance, and it's in the action of, of releasing the ball. The, the striker should not be... will be deemed to be, be committing a foul if they've interfered before the ball is released, basically. But, Mike, I'll start with you. It's not that, right? It's not that. He's got every right to be where he is. Yeah, I wasn't at the ground. I was watching it on a uh, perfectly legal stream um, whilst I was visiting Malaysia for the day. And um, I was quite shocked because I thought, that's happened fairly regularly. You know, you see it once or twice a season. Um, and I couldn't immediately see what the infringement was. Um, I'm a little bit probably uh, more, um, I'm not so keen on what you're probably about to bring up with the other issue, but this one, I was really surprised it wasn't, the game wasn't at least stopped, Um, and it shouldn't matter whether the whistle's gone or not. Um, I know that you're meant to play... Um, they, they're not meant to raise their flag or blow the whistle unless they think something is absolutely a foul or offside or whatever. Um, and that's probably made the decision for the people over looking at looking at VAR. But um, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I can't really see, like you said, why at the very least there wasn't you know, proper double checks and the referee going off and looking at things again. Um, I know that there's this new panel of, of five uh, people, including ex-players, that are going to be looking at um, those kind of decisions. I don't know if it's in place yet, but I'd imagine that would be the kind of topic that would be brought up. And it, again, it just shows that VAR this season, it's inconsistent, but inconsistent by them letting things go, which is better than stopping all the time, but it's still, yeah, a really odd decision. Yeah, and, and it was always going to be one of the hazards of bringing in VAR, wasn't it? Is that that you know we, we're we're moaning about it interfering, but now we're seeing that it had the potential to to clear something like that up. But I think you know again we have to remember that there's lots of times where VAR could have cleared something up. Human beings have watched it and have still come to a different conclusion than the rest of humanity. So I, I, I don't you know we'll talk about VAR probably more in the next bit. Um, but, but for this bit, it's really just, um, I don't, I, people said that, and I'll ask you this, Si, so people have, you know, a lot of, a lot of the comment was, well, you've, you've seen them given. And you just think, 
no, no, I haven't. This, yeah, keepers. The whole uh, cliche of keepers being a protected species, right? Which you know, so they get given, they get fouls, you know, whenever a defender breathes on them, this kind of stuff, right? But you know, for for good reason, keepers do need to be protected. But this is. You know, there are some people on, on social media just saying, well, why are we making such a big deal out of it? And my answer to that, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is because it is a big deal to have a goal chalked off for no actual discernible reason and no one's bothered to look into it anymore at a time when they had an opportunity. It just feels wrong, right? Without a doubt. And let's be honest, completely honest with each other, if it was the other way around, if that's Vicente uh, doing that, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get chalked off. I know it sounds like a conspiracy theorist, but honestly, it doesn't. And, and, and he threw the ball at Edward. I don't, I don't understand what he's meant to have done. He threw the ball at him. He didn't get in his way. He didn't um, actively try and impede him. It, it was genuinely a completely biased decision. There's no way. There's no way to stand up like Chris Clark now. But it's a corrupt decision. <laughs> it's a corrupt. It's, it's, I don't understand does, any yeah. way of of saying it because it's so. It and actually, what was strange as well was. Other than Steve Parrish draw attention to it, no, no major pundits have been decrying the decision. It, it it seems to have just been accepted that 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 that's actually an infringement and moved on. It it, it really wasn't. Again, if that happens the other way. It, it it doesn't get given, and it's it's a goal without without a shadow of a doubt. Well, the, the match of the day analysis. You had the two strikers there in in Lineker and and Wright. Basically, Ian Wright saying, "Yeah, well, I would have wanted it given," and Gary Lineker was sort of kind of just trying to talk. Jermaine Jenis off of a, some other planet because mm. he was like, nah, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's, that's not a goal. And again, because like you, you, you kind of would, you want like you're a striker. That's what you would be doing, right? You, you're trying to score a goal, aren't you? <laughs> but you know, Jenis is not having any of it, but I, um, I, yeah, look, you could go on forever about conspiracies and how unjust it is and whether it'd be given up the other end and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, these things are really critical. That's a very, very different game. And you do wonder, you know, the only conspiracy that I really have on it is it's not that anyone's sitting there thinking, you know, um, well, we need Man City for the good of the game to, to beat Little Old Palace. and We can't have this. I don't think anyone's thinking that. I just think sometimes there's a mentality with officials where they're like, Palace can't possibly go 3-0 up against Man City. That goal looked ridiculous. That can't possibly be a legitimate way for the champions of this country to concede a goal. So there must be something wrong with it. So we're just going to go with there's something wrong with it rather than check it, you know? And that, that's kind of as close as I can get to a conspiracy theory. I think people just have that natural bias, that natural tendency to, to assume that the better teams are going to make fewer mistakes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think the biggest problem with with refereeing is the you know the um the sort of unconscious bias if you want to call it that that's the problem with it it's not it's not conscious bias like you could certainly see alleged up and down the country but some there's definitely influence shall we say but anyway mike you said you weren't going to agree with this one and it's the the high foot for for harland obviously he's a tall guy obviously the ball is at a height <clears throat> where you know, putting his foot up there to take it down seems like a potentially reasonable thing to do. However, <clears throat> excuse me, it is dangerous play to have your foot that high. His foot was as high as his own head. Um, 
and and it connected with the head of his opponent. And if you've got no opponent around you at that point, it's fine to take the ball down like that. But if you're not consciously aware of your opponent uh, and you, you make a dangerous action, to me, it does need some form of punishment, whether it's a red card, not so sure, but should should be be punished. And for the record, before I allow you to, to rebuff me on that, I'm, I would like to also say um, that Haaland was, went in late many occasions on our on our particularly our central defenders including once on on Mark Gay where he just absolutely hammered him to the ground for no good reason a good three or four seconds after the ball had went and um it just got ignored no one really cared and it was just um you know seems like oh he's a good old-fashioned number nine um kind of stuff and I and I wasn't really a big fan of that throughout the course of the game but uh, for me I I'm I'm 50-50 on whether or not I think that should have been a red card. But what do you think? Yeah, I'm not for a minute saying that it wasn't a bad foul. Um, but I think when people are going, it's a definite red. And if it wasn't Palace, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's a tall lad. Anderson's halfway through a kind of uh, fish-style jump with his arms by his side. Um, it's, it's a yellow card for me. It's, it's a slightly dangerous you know doing that but um he was in a weird position I, I i don't think his leg was that high you know and it, it certainly wasn't one it, you know it was right outstretched as well um again we, we're all looking at these like stills um and they can make everything look worse um but for me that was a yellow card and i think it'd be pretty unlucky if it was a if if it was a palace player and they were sent off, I think you'd be saying other teams would, would have only got a yellow. Um, so I'm less bothered by that one. I don't think that's a pivotal moment for the game, to be honest. Okay. Sorry? Nah, that's a red all day. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm the opposite side of the fence to Mark on that one. Uh, honestly, um, there was a someone put on Twitter, and I can't. Uh, I should have got the player. Um, I don't know if it's Navigator or... It was for Liverpool uh, against Enderson, where he sent off... Um, for something very similar, the um, foot was in the same position, and it was I think it was either last season or season before, but straight red. And one of the obviously it's a Liverpool fan tweeted, "What what's the difference between that and, and and that challenge just there?" And there isn't any different again, other than just variation in in what the officials see. But for me, it, it was reckless. I know he's a tall guy, a very tall guy, but at the same time, he 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 was out of control, and it could have really damaged our player. So for me, that's a red. Um, I've just suddenly thought Mike uh, is also somewhat uh, of a tall guy is this the tall man's union again i mean anderson's a big guy as well yeah yeah i know and you're a fan of his i'm just starting to see a pattern here <laughs> um because i you know i've got a, a friend of mine who's, who's over six foot nine and uh i've often suspected he's part of the tall man's union because whenever he meets another tall person there's this kind of nod and knowing sort of look Oh, I, d- um, I don't know about that. So you, you see, you see someone in the pub, and you're like, "I'm not really. Sh- are they? Are they slightly? Are they slightly taller?" And you're looking at each other. We're kind of like, like the the Maggie is with the other toddler in The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm not, no. I'm not. I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm so, so sure. I'm so happy you confirm that that's the case because as kids growing up. Um, he used to, he hated the uh, the manager of our local McDonald's because he was a fraction taller than him, and whenever they walked in there, they would both stand up and sort of 
as straight and as tall as they possibly could. I knew it was a thing. He denied it, but I knew it. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, if they're massively taller, then, you know, it, yeah. it's not. But when you're about the same height, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, go to backofthenest.com and either leave us a voice message or click on the button to send us an email, let you know what we think about the uh, the tall man's union. It's a real thing. We've just proven it. Mike has absolutely dropped the rest of the tall men in it by confirming its existence, I'm telling you. Um. So, look, from here, the, the game took a turn, and we won't spend a huge amount of time dwelling on it if we're, if we're being really honest here. Um, so, look, I'll, I'll throw a few things out there. The guys will, will jump in and, and give, their, give their piece as well, I'm sure. But, look, the silver goal, look, it's a good goal, but the problem is exactly as we discussed earlier. Um, that high defensive line was basically completely absent. I think you have to give a bit of credit to Man City for that because, you know, whilst the players are reflecting, as Mike pointed out, the players are reflecting that they didn't do those things because they were 2-0 up and the mentality changed. That certainly did. But, you know, Man City play a part in that as well because they they go in at half-time. You know, Pep's not going to just sit them all down and say, you know, I didn't go to plan, did it? But keep going, it'll be fine. He's going to have absolutely torn into them and, and told them exactly where they needed to exploit exactly what they needed to do and and he you know started throwing caution to the wind in terms of positions of players for for almost immediately you know the 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 so-called kind of wing backs just started playing inside and further forward they didn't really care like they they were basically playing leave a couple of men back like two center backs and maybe a midfielder lurking around kind of screening that's your defense for the rest of the game everybody else get up there get forward create lots of angles for passes and just hammer them until we score. That was their philosophy. And we, you know, I feel we could have anticipated that a little bit better as well. And I feel like we kind of sent ourselves out there with understandably when you're tuning up away at Man City, more of the same, keep that discipline, keep that shape. But really it should have been about, look, we're going to have to anticipate they'll be doing something different here. So how do we keep that shape? How do we be braver? How do we, create more opportunities to pass the ball around and, and take some of the pressure off. I don't feel like we did that. I thought we just tried to repeat the performance, which was impossible in the circumstances that we're given. Silver walks through, absolutely walks through past Mitchell, um, you know, and, and we just don't get out after that, really. You know, he's past Mitchell. Eze, honestly, is just watching him uh, and doesn't really know what to do. Um, by the time he's passed over, over to Schlupp, Schlupp's neither closing him down nor really anticipating. And ultimately, the, the shot clips Jeffrey Schlupp before going in. And it's just, just you make that too easy. And once you've made it too easy that early in the half, you, you, it doesn't matter that you're, you're still up in the game. You know, we were on for a hiding from there. Um, and I want to pause there and give both you gents an opportunity to kind of comment on if you've got any more about that that higher defensive line just disappearing because I did cut us short a little bit earlier on and I said I'd come back to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that it's anything other than standard human behaviour. People are not 2-0 up against Man City very often. Um, But I think reading between the lines, Vieira's post-match, I think he was disappointed that the team perhaps did it against Liverpool and expected they could do it again. And 
I just kind of got the impression that he was annoyed that they'd not put in a hundred percent in terms of you know chasing shadows, and he kept talking about concentration, like I say. Um, and he, he he just said, look, you, you can't even not concentrate for a second. So when you're talking about Eze just just passing things up, um, I don't think it can just be down to Wilf. Um, this is this is maybe the fact you know we've got a decent point against Liverpool. Um, and the expectation that you can do a similar thing, um, sit back and, you know, they, they, Liverpool are not as good at hitting a team that are defending with two banks as as City are. So it just seemed like trying the same things again and they don't work against probably the best team in the world. Um, that, that's what I got from his interview anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Go on, Mark. Go on, sorry, 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 me jumping in. I, I, I agree, Mark. I think that's fair. And I think the, the only thing I would say, the commonality is, and it's harsh to be this harsh, uh, two doubles there um, on the team, but the silver goal was a bit sloppy, a bit like it was um, sloppy against Liverpool. For the, it was a great finish against, uh, against us in Liverpool, but again, we could have got out quicker. And I know it's been a little bit pedantic because it's hard, obviously, to play against a team that world class for that long. But I think if you're going to play the tactics that we're going to play with five at the back against those best teams, you need to be on it, don't you, for for the full game? So it was just a bit disappointed that even though we were yeah. pushed back, we could have been a bit sharper to potentially mitigate their their chance that led to the goal. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. And then when you start to look at the, you know, the hat-trick that Harlan scored, um, I suppose you have to think about... So I saw a lot of people calling him a, a cheat code and things like that, which which I get, you know, he's got he's got everything as a striker, right? You know, he can... He's, you know, both feet and head, brilliant height, brilliant strength, great pace, fantastic touch. You know, he is... You know, basically, if you went out, you know, and, and Frankenstein'd a, 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 you know, sort of test tube footballer kind of thing, and you went with Striker, he's basically John Striker. That's what I'm going to call him, um, as well as Vigo from Ghostbusters too. So he, you know, he he just is. He's got he's got everything there. But look at the goals he scored, and, and I don't. I'm going to be careful not to sound like Frank Lampard when we smashed Everton saying that everything was easy and simple or a mistake, you know, and we got lucky or anything like that. But, you know, it was good movement, um, but he wasn't watched properly. That's There's a simple fact there. You know, that first the first goal, we're just not alive to the second delivery at all. And we've allowed a quite noticeable put, uh, footballer to, to stand in between the centre-backs, you know, and, and, and get a, a, an easy header on. So, again, that to me is a mistake. Closing the cross is a, not closing the cross is a mistake, but sometimes that happens. But not having anyone close to him is a, is a mistake. Um, again, for the second, it's a ta- it's a tap in at the far post. We've just gone to pieces defensively at that point, you know. And how is their focal point, their main forward, their main man, their goal getter, entirely unmarked at the back of the post? Just just should not happen. And the fact that he's in there tapping the ball in. You know, again, we're we're having to hear about the talent and the movement and the striker's instincts of a player, but you know, realistically, there's a there's a back line there that have really let the team down, and it happens when you're being pulled around all over the place and you're out of position, you're not sure who you're covering for. You do end up leaving players alone at the back post, but it doesn't make it acceptable, and it and it wasn't good enough. The third. Um, I think you you can kind of say the third is a really good finish. Um, 
great run and and i think a lot to do with the fact that we'd made a bunch of changes uh, and we were trying desperately to get back into the game so you kind of have to let the third happen and, and say you know you know great finish great run great pass not not too much i can be angry about there but i think we've let him have two very very simple goals um so the question i have for you both you sigh first really is do you do you see that first Vieira change? And obviously, shortly afterward, we were forced to take Mitchell off because of injury, which again was probably one of the more significant parts of that first, that sorry, of the second half. But the first change we made, we we knew that Edward needed to come off. He probably he become very very ineffectual in that second half very quickly, and probably that change was needed quicker for me. But he he went with Hughes on. And and basically pushed Eze up as the furthest forward player. Um, how do you see that change? I wouldn't have done it. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not Patrick Vieira, and, and obviously, don't be harsh. He's done a great job for us, and it feels if you feel bad being critical, but but I think it was it was a mistake. Reminds me of some of the mistakes he's made against Arsenal uh, last season at their place when he when he bought I think it was Tomkins on. I would have, I would have definitely gone with Matata up front, Matata up front to try and have someone, you know, had the ball stick to them and try and give us some some breathing space. And yeah, so I, I just think it was we're being we're being uber critical, but I definitely think it was an error, and I think he should have made it sooner, and he should have probably brought on Matata. I think. And Mike, I mentioned earlier, and I thought he was trying to capture the kind of um, the kind of thing we were missing from not having a, a Wilf leading the line by putting Eze there, but was 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 Eze up top something you expected? I was a little bit confused by that um, that substitution because I didn't know how it was going to work, but um, I think it's probably testament to Vieira that I implicitly trust him regardless. Um, you know, I was a bit surprised with Ward and Klein next to each other as well, but um, I, I really think that we splitting hairs because by that point you know you could have had anyone up front and the the rest of the team wouldn't be able to support them so if anything it was it was shoring stuff up and hoping there'd be a quick break as had been very very decent and had held the ball on sort of fairly long runs for the majority of the game so if we were going to score from open play it was going to be from him anyway so I was I was happy with it um and Hughes, you know he's gonna sh- he's gonna shine in the kind of temperatures you're gonna get in the uh, in the in the northwest as well uh, with that with that skin colour. So uh, <laughs> I was happy that he, I was happy that he made his way. No, no I, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just felt I just felt I understood why the change made. It's not one of those where I was just utterly baffled, right? But and I understood what he was trying to do. But I actually think that. When you look at what what Eze was doing in the first half, it, being a, he was the out ball from deep, wasn't he? You know, he was he was collecting it, holding off a couple of challenges, and, and moving from deep. When you stick him up top, you lose that. So you're actually just isolating one of the few players you only got on the ball. And I, and I, I yeah, I totally get why, and it was probably worth doing. And you're absolutely probably right, Mike, in that didn't really matter, wouldn't have made a, wouldn't made a difference, but. It just it wasn't that long afterwards we conceded, and I felt that that that, that change was us asking for uh, for another goal to go in. I really did. Um, I'm going to run through some uh, some full word reviews because I think that's more than enough analysis there, uh, and see if we can have a really quick couple of minutes 
chatting about. Can I just transfers. bring up one thing cool. before we do that? Um, so I went through. So obviously the admins posted the four-two defeat as they, as they always do. There was a lot of hatred, a lot of moaning about Chris Richards, and I really don't think that he did anything wrong. <laughs> so um, if a quick word on him. Um, you know, I, I know he ended up on his ass for whatever the goal it was, the one at the back post. But, um, you know, he'll have been instructed to have not been at the back post, presumably, unless he was. Um, I thought it, he's not necessarily, as you mentioned earlier, playing in the role that you'd expect him to be playing. Um, I feel he's sort of singled out for criticism a little bit, maybe from people just watching it on TV and just seeing yeah. a small amount of the pitch. I think it's uh, I think it's totally unfair. Look, he he, he didn't have a, a glorious few minutes, but he was thrown on as a left back um, after injury when the momentum was with the best side in the league, um, with a bunch of people he's not played with more than once. Um, see, once things had one game, but do you know what I mean? He's, he's barely he's not even trained that much with this team, so to sort of expect him to come on and uh, out of position and play superbly in that game. I don't think you could throw you can throw anyone you like on in that position, and I think they'd struggle. Um, and it's not like we have many other options. He's gone on and he's done his best. So yeah, I'm, I'm slightly confused by the hatred in his direction. I, I think it's fair to say he, he was he was under an awful lot of pressure, um, but that's pretty much all there is to it. And um, we'll talk left backs in a bit. Um, I'm going to run through some forward reviews. I'll do it. I'll do it myself nice and quick. Uh, Andy Gaskell went with I enjoyed first half. Paul Hinshaw, City are another level. Uh, Darren uh, went with Why wasn't VAR checked? Well, we know what he's getting at. Shame about second half from Andrew Matson. Steve M. Refereeing errors change games. Graham Carter, a sense of inevitability, which uh, we all felt, I'm sure, Graham. David H, the game of two halves, love cowardice and a note to self. What was a wonderful uh, Twitter handle that is from Stuart Cox. We won first half. That's it. Small victories. We won the first half. Um, Alex, I had to get to this to Harland back again. To ha- to Harland back again. It's poetry, Alex. Absolute poetry. Uh, and John went with City flip to switch because yeah, it pretty much was that. So look, we've we've covered uh, messages in from Lee Anderson's forehead, uh, which was about why was VAR not used to look at the IU goal, um, and we've talked about our thoughts on that. But he mentions also that we didn't expect he didn't expect anything yesterday. To be fair, thought we were superb in the first half, which is very valid. Um, so I'll ask this question of you, Sai. Mister Caprice Parrot says, um, if we don't upgrade on Schlup before Thursday, would IU be a good backup to Schlup? Elise wide with a Bue backup. So, are you can are you play central? Do we need another player playing out of position? Yeah, no. I I love Mr. Carabies Parrot, by the way. Um, but what I what I would say is no, I don't think that's a good option. I think Ebue um, needs more time. He's a lot rawer than Elise is. He's still a real talent, but, but I think he needs more time. I think Ayu wouldn't be good in the centre, in my personal opinion. So I think we need to get a midfielder in. A midfielder has to be up there with top priority for the next few days, along with someone in defence now, I think. Well, uh, I mean, on that, we've covered also Louise got in touch saying, uh, talk about the disallowed goal, which hopefully we did enough for you. Uh, also mentioned that. Uh, loads and loads of other comments that I didn't get to, but we'll, we'll have to move this on. So on that subject, Si, 
talk a little bit about some transfers. The window is obviously coming towards an end now. It's approaching, you would say. Um, the strongest rumours remain the likes of Samari from Leicester, who uh, there were some comments from Rogers on that one, um, who, who basically said it looks unlikely he's going to go anywhere now. Um, obviously, Wan Basaka continuing to be linked, but sounds like a really complicated deal to do by all accounts. But funnily enough, you know, the one that, that's starting to, to gather a bit more pace again is the return of Conor Gallagher on loan. In fact, probably whilst we've been recording this, I would say um, there's a few breaking comments that Palace have opened negotiations once more. Of course, Gallagher was sent off starting for Chelsea uh, in their last game for two yellows in 27 minutes. Um, you know, Conte out for four weeks rather than the months they thought he might be. And, and Chelsea's still very, very active in the market. So it seems like that might one might be a possibility. So just a couple of bits from, from each of you, Star, with you, Mike. Um, you know, I think the squad feels light. Um, we're a left-back short as well now. But, um, you know, what, what are you thinking? I mean, on the, the Gallagher front, I don't really understand what, Chelsea would get out of that. I don't think it's an issue financially, particularly. Um, and they've started in the last two games. So, um, yeah, I mean, unless there's some kind of option to buy or something, that sounds, yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't add up why they would do that. But then they've made some very, very strange decisions in the last five, six years. So, um, you know, that would be lovely. Let's not forget that. People write off Luca, but he's still got a, a, a part to play, I think. Um, and we've got Gyro as well. So I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I don't think that we've particularly replaced Kuate with Dukure quite person for person. Um, but I'm not that worried. I'm sort of more worried about the left back, right back situation, really, um, than, than the midfield. But that's probably. Uh, not one that most people agree with. I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if we had Gallagher. I'm so, I, you mentioned Gyro there, and um, I'm guessing you haven't heard the rumours that he's off. But um, you know, well, I mean, the, the, as as he sh- as he should be, um, <laughs> as he should be. But you know, if if we're letting him go, it's because he's been told there's no, he's got no part to play. So, so any thoughts? I mean, like I say, Gallagher. The Gallagher rumours have gathered some pace um, and you know how do we replace Gallagher with Gallagher is a is a good answer to that question but um, what are your thoughts on what we need 100% I'm going to break into Les Mis to start seeing and bring him home about Gallagher he needs to come home he, he looks lost he doesn't look right at Chelsea he's not he's not made for there he's a Palace player through and through sorry are you, are you assuming that everyone that listens to this would be fully aware of what songs are in Les, Les Mis if, if they're not then I, I'm happy to educate them if they want to message me offline I'll uh, happily give them a no no all seriousness we got, we got, I'll be sending you an email we've got to bring him back we've got to bring him back he fits in with our system he loved it here and actually you know I don't think I'll be able to stand up I'd be that excited if we had a team that had AWB Mitchell, Elise, Eze, Zaha. I mean, that is a, a team ahead of a team there. So I'd, I'd love to get um, Aaron back as well. So for me, the t- if we finish the window with Aaron and Gallagher back in the team, it's been one hell of a good window, I think. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think there'd be there'd be people singing, wouldn't there? So, can you hear the people sing? <laughs> Classic. Singing the songs of Angry Men. That's it. No, no, Mike. No. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think we better leave it what? there before I break fully into song. Anything else from you, Mike? You seem you seemed frustrated there. Uh, no, I was just I was assuming that's some kind of uh, musical stuff. But you, you, it was you the it was that. the same it was the same musicals uh, from, from right, Les Miserables. Okay. But I enjoyed that you nearly called it Les Miserables as well, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you to to Mike and to Sai. Uh, for being with me on the show today and thank you very much to you for listening uh thanks in particular to everybody who got in touch today um obviously we we don't read out everything but we do use all of it in in making the show what it is uh the preview team will be back with you in midweek obviously looking back at tuesday's game against brentford actually shall i have a quick pause mike whilst we quickly reference some brentford stuff that we got sent by the preview team um it was some yeah. good stuff, wasn't it? That's the only reason I pause in my my outroduction, as I like to call it. Um, well, we were talking about whether to extend the pod even more mm. um, with a quick look towards Brentford, obviously Tuesday night. Um, but Terence got sent something, um, so I'm just going to read it. With Brentford coming up midweek, not sure if you're doing a preview, obviously they haven't got time, but a couple of facts about them. The record attendance for a game between the two clubs was set in February 1907 when 31,123 saw an FA Cup third round, today's fifth round, last 16, game at Palace and the score was 1-0. Brentford are also one of just three clubs that Palace have played in the top division but never beaten. Others are Barnsley and Portsmouth. This record can go Tuesday. Mm. So there you go. Which would be wonderful. That Excellent. was from CPFC. So glad you're mine. The stats person for the preview show uh, recently, recently joined forces and, and wonderful, wonderful information. And yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Managed to beat Brentford. That'd be the first time we'd ever beaten them in the top division. Wonderful stuff. Anyway, um, so yeah, the preview team will look back at the result of that game and also ahead to the weekend trip to Newcastle in the, in the week and then we'll review that at some point soon um, I'm going on holiday so it won't be me uh, yeah um, but I'll think of you all whilst I'm in California and until then thanks again come on you palace it's the 90th minute all your mates around You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.